Hello, we are back for episode number six already of uh, Own It Arms, the Pit Lane Motorsport Podcast. And uh, I'm still breathless from watching uh, yesterday's race. So there is lots to cover uh, over the next hour. I'm Adam D. Welcome along to um, our sort of general motorsport chit-chat uh, of a podcast. Joining me tonight is the man behind the whole thing itself, Mr. Alex Parkin. Good evening. Evening. How are you, sir? Uh, yeah, not too bad, like yourself. I think I've just about settled down from that yesterday, but how I'd stuck about it a bit. I think I almost had a cor... I can never say that word. Coronary. I don't know. Something like that. I almost died anyway. It was that good. But also with us this week is Mr. Jimbo Mansi. Good evening. Hello. How are you? And how are you, good sir? Good. Good. Concerned of your praising of whatever it was, because I didn't think what you said was the first attempt. But... If anything ever sets the tone at something like that with us. But no, looking forward and, gl- and glad to be back. Good. I'm not sure I followed a single word of what you just said, but okay, good. We're, we're all here. Strong <laughs> start. <laughs> um, this is as good as it gets, by the way. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for the next hour and, and see what happens. But look, we are going to talk about... All downhill from here. <laughs> let's, let's hope not. Um... Like cheese rolling race. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's go on our roof into the gravel trap and uh, and see what happens next, eh? Because um, obviously we are going to be talking about the British Grand Prix uh, that took place at Silverstone this weekend. Um, you know, for the the benefit of those of you listening to this, we record this on a Monday night after after the race. So um, if we refer to things that happened yesterday, that's why, because it all happened yesterday. Um, I, I'm going to ask a very simple question of both of you to start off with. Uh, in a score out of 10, what would you give yesterday's British Grand Prix, Parkin? A 9. Well, I think the only reason it's not a 10 is because you didn't get someone like completely out of the blue win it. That was <laughs> the only thing that could have improved it. <laughs> what about you, Jimbo? Uh, I'm going to say a 10. It had everything. Absolutely everything. There, there wasn't anything that you could have asked more. Maybe what Parkin said with a, an out of the blue winner, but I don't think many people thought Science was gonna gonna win, even from being on pole. I, d- I don't think Science thought he was gonna win, uh, no. and certainly Charles Leclerc didn't. But we'll get on to that uh, a little bit later. I, I'd probably give it. Uh, I'd, I'd go somewhere in between the two of you and give it a solid nine and a half. Um, I, I can't think of much that would have made it better. Apart from maybe a little sprinkle of rain, you know, just uh, just to, to to make people wonder about, oh, I don't know, it just I can't really think of any way to improve it. It was just absolutely staggering. And can you imagine how gutted I was feeling uh, um, that I missed out on going this year? <laughs> I'm normally there. Uh, what an atmosphere! I've I've not heard. A Formula One crowd cheer like that. I don't think ever. It was like watching a football match at times. The the way the crowd were reacting. Uh, I mean, Parking. I know you you talk about um, crowd shots and things like that uh, as being a bit of a 
bane of uh, your motorsport watching <laughs> life, but but the the sound that we got from the crowd was superb yesterday. Oh, it was excellent. And there was the booing and qualifying for Verstappen, which was a bit annoying. But yeah, yeah it's not good. through the race, it was ugh, that double overtake on Hamilton. You could just hear the crowd really getting into it, and uh, it, yeah, it was just superb, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean. I'm not even sure how we get started on this. Well, look, let's let's talk about qualifying um, first because uh, the the fact of the matter is we did get a wet and dramatic qualifying, which means if you if you kind of gave a rating to the weekend overall, <laughs> I, I'd probably have to go up to the ten because uh, we got the wetness in qualifying. Um, but uh, Jimbo, what what was your takeaway from from watching that that up and down session. Uh, it's brilliant, isn't it? Rain is, is like a bit of a leveller in motorsports. It kind of takes away the, the main advantage that the car has. Um, and, it, and it does depend more on driver skill. I would always say, probably with Formula 1, it's 70-30 car to driver with the car performance. Um, when you get the rain, I feel like that is just completely reversed. So mm. it's great to see names that you're not used to seeing up there it's it's not that i get a kick out of seeing people suffer and struggle believe it or not um but when you see the bigger names that can't get through that you expect to get through you know we lost Vettel in in q1 which you would think with a man of that kind of experience um he should be sailing through in them conditions but yeah then you had someone like joe who will come back to obviously later on up in uh, up in P9, so it is a real mix-up. But I just I think it's great to see the guys at their very best of their abilities. You look at the 360 that Stappen threw. I've seen one that Leclerc did as well. Um, just the reactions and the skill to do stuff like that just it blows my mind. That 360 from Verstappen seems so casual. It would phenomenal car control to get it back, weren't it? Have, have you seen the Leclerc one though? Yeah. Because yeah, that as well, I think the problem is that is it wasn't caught on TV, so there wasn't a great view. But his was on the exit of Brook um, Maggots through Chapel, which is big speed coming through there. So uh, and obviously that ended up ruining Verstappen's final flying lap. It did. One thing that really got me about um, when Verstappen did his three sixty is that he finished the lap and was still only a tenth off the Ferraris at that time, <laughs> which I just thought was... Uh, it just showed what, what kind of level of dominance he had in, in those conditions. Uh, of course, until... He did it before, didn't he? Yeah. He did it in Brazil, remember, when he was coming around the final... Oh, yes. Corners. Oh, yeah. And he held, it, held the brakes, held the brakes. Okay, I'm going to hit the wall now. I need to turn the car, release the brakes. Just to have the mindset to do that while the rest of us were just be shouting expletives and closing our eyes and hoping for the best uh yes 100 percent. i mean parking if you could pick one star of qualifying who would it be because there's, there's a lot of names that you could throw in there that's a question i'm gonna go with carlos tough mixed wet and damp conditions and he got pull ahead of a staff who were unstoppable at canada in the wet mm, what about you jimbo anyone stand out for you uh, I'm going to go for Lando in sixth. Um, it, you know, top McLaren by quite some way. Uh, but obviously, if you go back to qualifying the last time Lando had it in the rain and anything that has ever happened to him in the rain has normally been quite negative. So the mindset 
you know, he probably looks at it and goes, God, can't it just be dry for an hour in the UK? Which is quite what we all say a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, the answer to but, which is no. Yeah, I, no, which I do think, you know, for someone to, who's had their problems in the rain um, with the added pressure of a home Grand Prix and the added pressure of he is, you know, he is the number one driver in the car. Um, I think he did really well to put it in P6. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of difficult to look past Nicholas Latifi as well. Um, the man put a Williams in the top 10 in qualifying. And, uh, you know, that doesn't immediately mean that he's a superstar and uh, and destined for great things. But um, fair play Everyone to him. Everyone had to stay in conditions. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like playing on a poor football pitch, isn't it? Yeah, one plays on the same pitch. There's there's no excuses. No, and and uh, the the guy's under a lot of pressure, um, and has been for for quite some time now. He's had a difficult season, and he pulls out a, a tenth um, place in qualifying uh, when Albon ended up going out at the end of Q1. Um, so I think fair play to him. And again, we see Joe Granu pulling in uh, a sterling performance. He's getting better and better and better. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how he develops across the season, but of course we will return to the subject of uh, Joe Granu before the end of this podcast, I think it's probably fair to say. Look, anything else that we need to touch on from qualifying? Uh, Parkin, what about Aston Martin? Yeah, it's weird. Two wet qualifiers in a row and they've been nowhere, but then they've completely turned it around in the race, haven't they? they did, uh, I mean, they qualified what, 18th and 19th at Silverstone, then they got Vettel in 9th and Stroll in 11th, so that's terrible qualifying, uh, same as Canada, but they've ended up going with a solid point score. So whether Stroll they are was just last. Like... Stroll was last in qualifying by 7 tenths. Yeah. Behind Schumacher. Just... I mean, that's... Well, that's a guy that like... put it on pole in Turkey when it was raining. Yeah, it does look but like they got... sacrificed dry performance for uh, wet performance or dry race performance, though you think? And, and could you say the same about um, about Haas as well? Because they were seventeenth and nineteenth on the grid, and then came through to a double points finish. You know, whereas in Canada, uh, they were right up there in qualifying, but then fell away in the race. So maybe they've learnt something from that and gone, okay, let's let's get ourselves ready for the race rather than qualifying. Yeah, let's look at the weather for Sunday. You only score points on a Sunday, don't you? So. Exactly. Well, <laughs> apart from the three sprint races, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Look, um, we'll, we'll move on to the race in just a second um, because do you want some good news, chaps? Go on. Uh, we have four quiz questions tonight. Four. So I'm going to do two now and then two uh, a little bit later on. That okay with you? Fine by me. Okay, yeah, go well, for it. I mean, you know, your 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 passion and enthusiasm maybe. for it just just rang through there. I uh, know it's just it doesn't matter what we say; you're still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is also true. Yes, look. Um, so the 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 theme of this week's questions uh, is the British Grand Prix. Can't think why. Uh, so, question number one: at the 1994 British Grand Prix. Michael Schumacher was black flagged after failing to serve a 10 second stop go penalty. The question is 
what did he get the penalty for? So I'll read that again. At the 94 British Grand Prix, Michael Schumacher was black flagged after failing to serve a 10-second stop-go penalty. What did he get the 10-second stop-go penalty for? Um, when I wrote it down, I've actually written after failing to sever a 10-second penalty. So... <laughs> Um, okay, question number two. Just three tracks have hosted the British Grand Prix in the Formula One era. Um, so that's from 1950 onwards. I want you to name all three of them. So just three tracks have hosted the British Grand Prix in the Formula One era. Name all three. Right. That's questions one and two. We'll return to questions three and four a little bit later on. But let's move on to the race. And I don't think we can start anywhere uh, apart from Joe Guanyu's accident. And uh, I'm sure, like you guys, I was um, I was concerned when it took so long for them to... Uh, give us any news of what had happened with Joe Granu. Um, but did you guys spot it going on in the background uh, in in the live pictures anyway? Alex, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you saw everyone just... pile through. Oh, sorry, go on, Jimbo. <laughs> just, just casual. Yeah, sure. Go on. <laughs> Tickled me. Um, me off now um yeah so everyone piled through like turn one and two didn't they? then you just saw two cars fly across the gravel and that, did they initially think russell was one upside down but he got the right way up yeah yeah that's what yeah. they initially thought but i immediately uh, you know because uh, i watched it with claire yesterday and, and i just said no 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 that wasn't that wasn't russell there was a car on its roof that traveled a long distance on its roof um so i knew it had made the barriers but uh, I had no idea it had uh, done exactly what it had done. Um, yeah. I mean, what? I mean, obviously, the the great thing is that that Halo has, has without doubt, um, saved his life in that instance. But but let's talk about the things that we need to be a little bit more concerned about. Jimbo, was there anything from that that you just thought afterwards? That's not good. We need to look at that. Uh, the biggest thing for me. And if you take the aspect of the crowd out of it, because it is a freak accident in that respect, but the fact that there is a gap between a fence and a tire wall that allows a car to fall into, can you imagine if the car was on fire? Mm. Yeah. Or if no one could get a, to him. If you had a spinal or neck injury, that's a. I don't even know what they'd do to. But just free him. It, it beggars belief. Why would you have a gap? You know, if there wasn't a gap, the car would have landed on top of the tire wall. Yeah, true. Which I'm not saying is any better, but surely it's better than having someone wedged to a degree that they can't get to him. Uh, that for me was was probably the worst thing. Um, yeah, I would say that that definitely shocked me more than anything. I think as well that the, the I don't know if you saw the footage that um, I think ah. Uh, uh, good friend Stevie Bain shared with us in in um, in Discord earlier the 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 footage uh, fan footage of the incident, but you actually 
you know, when he first came to a, a rest against the the uh, the catch fence, um, the engine was still at full revs. Now, if he had have been knocked unconscious, yeah, it could have just stayed revving. Um, and uh, and as Jimbo says, you know, what if there'd been a fire? Um, you know, if it had actually gone in and stayed upside down, um, wedged in that gap, there's all kinds of things that make that a little bit concerning. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Formula One take a look at that. Um, I mean, interestingly, there were two catch fences there, which is which is good. So you know, I don't think the the crowd were at a huge amount of uh, danger, apart from maybe the gravel coming up, uh, as we've seen in some of the footage. But um, Alex, is there anything else there that that made you think yeah, we need to take a look at? I think the Alpha Roll Hoop needs a look at, or whether it is car specific or a standard part. I'm not sure, but. It's concerning that it was literally like someone who took a knife and just sliced across the top of the halo, because that, that is exactly what the roll hoop's there to prevent. I know it's incredibly rare you see a car travel that far upside down, but that's just totally destroyed it, hasn't it? It's, it's nothing left other than the halo keeping his head from being yeah. rubbing on the floor. And it, it is, like. as somebody I, I, I saw said, if, if that had of happened when uh, Verstappen's car got up on top of Hamilton's last year at Monza he was coming from the back so without the roll hoop you know he still would have hit Hamilton's helmet um, you know so the the roll hoop is a really important part of that entire safety uh, structure so yeah, for me, seeing that just completely removed is is a bit of a concern. Um, so I, I feel like off the back of this, there needs to be a beefing up of the the roll hoop. Um, and uh, and as Jimbo said, you know, let's look at those gaps between um, armcos and uh, and catch fences. Um, but it wasn't the only crazy instant of the weekend that that had us thanking halo was it um i know jimbo you were talking about this uh earlier on in the weekend well the incident with um nisani mm. and uh dennis hauger that's it yeah um this is a, a sausage cab thing isn't it it's and everyone has said the same we've seen people break their backs we've seen horrific crashes because a car is sent up into the air where it shouldn't be um you know i suppose their only saving graces from that is do you put the blame on the sani for his lack of standards in in driving aggressively i mean we all know squeezing and not leaving a space but what he did could have resulted in his his own death um yeah but yeah the sausage curbs are for Formula One, I think they're a, a, a big, big problem. Um, and then any open wheel sport where the head is exposed like that. With regards to GT racing, maybe not so much. Um, but then what's to say they don't just take them out when they have an F1 race and just put them back in and bolt them down when the GTs are on? Yeah, I mean, Parkin, what's what's your thoughts on, uh, on Le Sausage? First of all, it's like you, you touched on Jimmer, that is horrific driving standards from Nissan to force someone 
onto the grass in a breaking zone is bad, but to do it in a way where he's going to T-bone skewer across the track at decent speeds, dumb. But yeah, if if there wasn't a sausage curve there, it is a, it's still a bad accident, but it yeah, it, it could have resulted in a fatal accident, and you've had Ad Abby Eaton and the Parabolica, I can't remember what series that was in, where, oh, someone, flies into yeah. Catch yeah. Yeah. where someone clips the sausage curve and flies into the catch fence. It's there's better ways to prevent track limit violations, I feel, rather than just a big old speed bump in a car with no suspension. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I remember some of the early seasons of Formula E as well that they'd put um, sausage curbs in on the on the temporary circuits. And uh, right, the very first Formula E car was was just falling to bits when somebody hit a sausage curb, and it was just just completely. Uh, wrecking cars um yeah it obviously there is a need for some kind of uh deterrent from running out wide and uh or from cutting corners but sausage curbs can't be the full answer surely no, it's, no. You, you can't like you, I don't know if you saw the clip of the um, first aid vehicle, the Aston, going yes. around that corner, and he clips the curb, and then he rolls the car. He ends up two wheeling it until the start of um, the club. And you think, well, if that can do that to that kind of car at them speeds, you know, we saw at Silverstone before when um, Vettel hit the back of Verstappen, mm. and and how that Red Bull was able to actually carry on I still have no idea but had someone have been coming around that corner what what would have happened yeah 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 well look we're, we're not the experts in terms of finding the answer there but um, you know I, I know that, uh, that there's quite a few people out there that would love to see the back of a sausage curb and you mentioned Abby Eaton earlier parking um, she you know is uh, pretty vocal about the removal of uh, sausage curbs they um they are dangerous and uh I, I just hope it's not going to be one of those situations where it's going to need somebody to get very seriously injured before they take a look at them um so mm. look let's it's, it's let's... one of them things if you've got professionals mm. that have raced surely they are better placed to make an opinion and have an opinion about a safety measure than someone who sits wearing a shirt and a pair of trousers, tapping a pen on a table, who goes, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So that for me is, you looked at Twitter after the incident and it was flooded with with commentators, ex-racers, current racers, all saying they need to go. Yeah, the, the only thing I would say against that is uh, look back at 1994 and the Grand Prix Drivers Association reformed after... Um, uh, Senna and Ratzenberger's death and uh, some of the temporary chicanes that they put in at uh, particularly Spain, Canada and, uh, and through Eau Rouge um, yeah, they don't always make the, the, the greatest of decisions but I certainly take your point and we need to uh, we need to be listening to people here because otherwise it is going to take something really horrific to happen um, before something changes so let's hope that doesn't happen of course um, but look, let's let's move on because there's there's just so so much else to talk about. 
Um, but I think the most important thing here right now is, um, Parkin, did I score any points in the predictions league this week? Uh, I didn't. Uh, uh, I've totally forgot to add your predictions to the spreadsheet. Oh. <laughs> I know across the board we had bad scores because... Go do them now, Adam. That's all right. Everyone does them late. <laughs> yeah, some people later than others, eh, Jimbo? Um, I mean, right. Okay, so I'm just trying to find my, my predictions. Oh, it's, I've, I've got to scroll back through uh, my argument about Danny Rick. <laughs> and all the goatee for chat in the... Uh, oh, yeah, Discord. there was a bit of goatee as well, wasn't there? Um, I haven't said anything negative about him yet. So uh, I think <laughs> I think I, I decided to to jump on the bandwagon and have um, and have uh, uh, Verstappen as the winner. <laughs> yeah, I did that and it backfired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh my god, there's just think, so much chat for me to scroll back through. You you've twice predicted 14 cars to finish and got nowhere near, and the one time. Where fourteen cars actually finished, <laughs> and I predicted eighteen. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that that didn't go so well. Um, oh my god, that, where are my predictions? They're here somewhere. Um, uh, there it. we go. There right. we go. I said yeah. Ricardo would qualify eleventh. Did he? I'm afraid not. It was Gasly. And Gasly, yeah. I Alonso said. I said Verstappen would win. Did he? No. I said Lando would finish fifth. Did he? Uh, no, he... Well, no, he didn't. I'm sorry, finished sixth. And I said there'd be 18 finishers. Were there? Hell no. Okay, so I got zero again. So, pretty bad week for everyone, eh? Yeah, 14 cars finishing's going to throw a curveball in. And a couple has scored half points by predicting Leclerc to win. And Science actually got the win, so... Oh, I got half a point. Yeah, that's that's as good as anyone did, I think. Half a point. What what are the standings? So we've got Jimbo, you're first. I don't know if you'd looked at that. Eight and a half points. Yes. Dan Hyde, I think. I missed the round just... as well. It just shows how badly the rest of us are doing, man. Yeah, it just shows what happens <laughs> when you uh, submit your your predictions after the race. Oh, review, everyone forgot this week. <laughs> Even me, who runs a spreadsheet, totally forgot. <laughs> So, any other star performers? Uh, no. Me, Tom, you... Oh, uh, no, not you. No, not me. Me, Tom, Jimbo, the, and Stevie Bain got half points and that's it. So, very little's changed. Okay, so basically what we're concluding here is that, ladies and gentlemen, if you are tuning in expecting expert analysis and predictions of Formula 1 uh, you have come to the wrong place <laughs> I mean if you predicted that one right you deserve a hefty prize eh, indeed yes well it was a what it was a was a mixed up one that's for sure um i think one of the things i'd like to 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 sort of jump to is the old uh, ddo um because i i think that will will then lead the directions of some of our conversations. So, Jimbo, who was your driver of the weekend? Uh, it's got to be science. Okay. Did you want why? Or... Uh, that would be lovely, yes. Oh, okay. Um, he's had, obviously, a difficult start to the season. Um, 
almost to the point where everyone assumed he played second fiddle to the clerk already or before the season started um however you want to look at that but yeah he's after last week in the race he, he was good um and then he's just put it up another level i think this weekend you know he was fortunate that ferrari did what they did with the strategies he was fortunate that verstappen last lap got messed up by his teammate spinning um but he's he's there and and you can't do anything other than put it in that position and that's what they're all there to do what happens around you is an uncontrollable mm. you just have to be there at the end and take the checkered flag first and he's he's done that with a pole position yeah and for me with his start of the season and how he struggled um you know his head dropped a bit to come back yeah really really good and it was really good to see him in the interview after the race um just absolutely beaming from ear to ear that he was just so happy absolutely i mean um do we know the last driver to convert their maiden pole position into a win i do yes this is not a quiz question by the way Lord Crashter himself. Lord Crashter or Maldonado, indeed. Yeah, so uh, he's uh, he's right up there in great company. Um, but uh, Parkin, what about your driver of the day? I I was torn between three, but I've eventually gone for Alonso, just over Hamilton and Sainz. Oh, okay. He was knocking on the door of Leclerc, Hamilton, Perez for a while at the end, and it was just an all-round great performance, I thought. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, I, I, Alonso was on my shortlist as well, um, as was Hamilton, um, as was Perez as well for that recovery drive. Um, but I am going to go with Mick Schumacher. Um, not just because he scored points for the first time, but because actually all weekend he was right on Magnussen's pace uh, and he outraced Magnussen yesterday as well, and um, I think he is. I think he's benefiting hugely from having an experienced, competent teammate in Kevin Magnussen this season, and uh, I just felt like uh, this weekend was a really big weekend for him that he might actually be able to push on from uh, for the rest of the season. So. Uh, fair play to Mick Schumacher and and look that that final lap duel with uh, um, with Max as well was uh, uh, was great to see. So yes, um, Mick Schumacher for me. What about uh, that's, just so quickly? That's a really good point you've made there with Mick because his first season as a rookie. Normally you come in and you've got an experienced driver that mm. you look up to, and he had Mazaspin. So. Uh, now that he has got someone like Magnussen who can, you know, lend him an ear, give him a shoulder. Obviously, he's got the support of Vettel um, as well. But to have someone in the team, that is that's a really good point. And I think that is helping him massively now. And it almost feels like uh, that was another one of the reasons why, why Haas decided to bring Magnussen back rather than going and finding uh, another pay driver or anything like that, um, was that actually Magnussen could help benefit the team overall for the future um well they'd yeah. already got the money off mazepin so. uh, some of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks thanks for the money bye <laughs> <laughs> Try a bit, we're going yeah. to follow the rules completely yeah it, okay it does 
Sorry, it does show a bit of growth as well for him because he was in a similar position at Miami earlier in the season, weren't he? And did a stupid move on Vettel, which cost him the points. Yeah, yeah, and, and, he, no and he could have done the same on Verstappen, but didn't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Okay, let's uh, let's talk donkeys. Um, so, donkey of the day for you, Jimbo. I'm going to say Ricardo. Just, just for pace. Well, I, no, I just think in a situation like that, we had 14 finishes, and he was 13th. Yeah. In a McLaren. Yeah. Which is fighting for fourth position in the constructors. To me, that is. It's just not good enough. It's not good enough. We had the conversation earlier today, and I know that people will disagree. That, but mm. I, I don't think. I don't know what happened when he went to McLaren last season. Obviously, he got the win, um, and McLaren looked like they were coming on really, really strong. And I do think a part of it is McLaren. They don't seem to be so forthcoming with up updates and upgrades and bits like that. And you you look at Lando. This was someone that was consistently getting podiums. Um, last season obviously we've now got Ferrari in the mix much more than they were last season so it is difficult to get on the podium but he's still dragging that car up the front end of the field and then you see someone with the experience of Ricardo you know someone who's won Monaco someone who's won multiple races beating Max Verstappen on his day um and he held his own um I just don't think these new cars I think it was similar with what you saw with Hamilton when George was beating Hamilton consistently at the start of the season. Take Bahrain out of it. But I think he is having a lot more problems in understanding the setup and getting the feeling right in that car. That's the only reason that I can imagine. Just yeah. look at the results with Danny Rick. Him and Verstappen were the only drivers to pit four times. So did Danny Rick have a problem I we might have missed? But yeah. I haven't seen anything. It wasn't near and obviously Norris they were the very track. vocal about Verstappen, weren't they? So, yeah. But then Christian Horner would always be vocal about something. <laughs> That's another podcast. Uh, by, by, by the <laughs> way, uh, uh, how much did we love the "Marry Me, Christian" sign uh, uh, just before <laughs> the race? Um, you know, Christian's had enough weddings already, hasn't he? he didn't need another one. Um, <laughs> uh, I believe he collects engagement rings like Thanos. So, uh, if you <laughs> want to make a comparison, <laughs> anyway, we should probably move on. Uh, Alex, your your donkey of the weekend, uh, Sonoda. It, his qualifying wasn't too far off Gasly, but then he does that ridiculously bold move on his teammate, and then apparently I've seen on Twitter the debris he created from that accident might have damaged Verstappen's car. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know how true that is, but. The I think move Verstappen itself was holding still... it at one point. They'd taken it out of the car, and Verstappen was holding it and smiling at the cameras. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, Sonoda for me. Yeah, Sonoda was my uh, my donkey as well. Um, not just because he took his teammate out, but because he then whinged about it on the radio as well. I was like, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> he's like. Um... He's like a terrible version of Kimi Raikkonen on the radio. Like, <laughs> Kimi was funny, and he was aggressive, but we all laughed. Sonoda comes on, 
you've just spun your teammate. Yeah, I know, but it's not my fault. <laughs> and it's like, this car, this car's different. It's not the same car. It's not the same car as what Gasly's got. And you just think to yourself, oh, just. I'd rather have Fanball back than listen to him. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that's that's our donkeys um, overtake of the week. Jesus, where do we even go uh, with this? I know where I'm going with this one, um, uh, Jimbo. I think it's all going to be the same, isn't it? Surely it's the Lewis double overtake on Perez and Leclerc. He it it wasn't in respect of it being a difficult overtake. No, because they were battling and forced each other off. But he saw that coming. And that was just, it was nice to see that he was at a point with the car where he was comfortable to set it all up and he was able to use his racecraft and his ability as a, did we say eight-time world champion or seven? Seven. We'll say seven, just just for the stats. Um, <laughs> but it was so good to see him being able to be back in that position to, to make that attack. And, and he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it in, in a difficult couple of corners. Um, and then got dive-bombed by the Red Bull in the next couple of corners and I would have he probably thought Verstappen was back let alone Perez oh, yeah. but Perez has obviously <laughs> been to the school of Verstappen overtaking uh, well that's that's not my overtake of the weekend but uh, parking you're next up yeah I've gone for the Hamilton double overtake but you could that entire battle between Leclerc Hamilton Perez Alonso that's probably my battle of the decades that were incredible Just watch it on repeat the, yeah. the battle was, was incredible and if it was battle of the weekend that would have been the answer but uh um, in and amongst all of that wow just shoot the poor guy down yeah <laughs> <laughs> in and amongst all of that Charles Leclerc on worst tyres around the outside of Hamilton through Cops that this is another podcast as well that <laughs> was unreal absolutely unreal um, and uh, I mean the cameras didn't catch it live very well I thought he'd taken him out at first because Hamilton just vanished randomly like uh uh-uh. well I, I I sort of suddenly sat forwards and went hang on a minute has he just gone around the outside at Cops no he can't have done he has <laughs> and it's just yeah, it was oh. it was incredible it was incredible and when you looked at Leclerc's on board it didn't look like there was the space no to no. make the move but it, yeah it is proof that cars can overtake through there as long as they abide to the racing lines. It's also proof of what happens when um, uh, when Hamilton makes the apex at Cops. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you mean you, do you mean album wastes time trying to recreate it? <laughs> <laughs> one time. Album was actually sat in the hospital going, "That's how you do it. That's exactly what I said you have to do. That is what I took the car around sixty times and showed that you needed to do." Oh dear, couldn't do that in a cost cap world, could you? Uh, anyway, look. Um, what what about Mercedes? I mean, we've we've talked about Hamilton and the fact he was up there and in and amongst it. But are Mercedes back, or is this track specific? And if it is track specific, then where else can we look at for them to be up there and in amongst it? What do you think, Parkin? I, I guess we'll find out in a few weeks' time. We've got Austria coming up, then a real change at France. Uh you've got to say the pace is a lot more on a par with Ferrari and Red Bull because Lewis got the fastest lap I think in the end didn't he he did yes yeah I think it was on the last lap as well yes it was yeah 
But um, is it just track specific? Do you think? I think they've made an improvement. I, I think the track helped that improvement further because Silverstone is incredibly smooth. Um, as Parkin said, I think what we need to now see is Austria. Austria is quite a bumpy track. Um, it's got a lot of gradient changes. Very, very different. Um, if we see Lewis like that setting for example a fastest lap on the last lap of the race holding his own with a gap on on worn mediums against fresh hards and and a very fast car in the ferrari as well the one thing i did notice sorry yeah the one thing i did notice was it seemed like after the safety car restart it took the mercedes longer to fire its tires up Mm. because he really struggled with perez from the off which was shown in perez was able to get up the inside of him through farm i believe it was yeah and then down the Wellington straight um, yeah we'll see I, I think they've made improvements massive improvements it would have been good to have had Russell in the race to see if it was a driver specific um, but obviously we didn't get the uh, the opportunity to see that I mean I, I tend to think that it is a little bit track specific and, and not just for smoothness but also the the types of corner as well it's silverstone is a very fast flowing track and and mercedes have always said that this car really struggles in the slow speed uh corners you know getting out of the slow speed in in particular um so i'm not sure that austria is going to tell us that much because it's a little bit point and squirt and they don't have the the straight line speed of some of the other cars um Paul Ricard could be interesting though, because there's quite a lot of fast flowing corners uh, at Paul Ricard as well. So that might tell us a, a little bit more. Um, but Alex, it, it, some of it was just Hamilton absolutely on it, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It, it, to talk about the Mercedes car a bit more, you didn't see much Paul Poison. Whether there weren't a camera angle to show it at Silverstone, I'm not sure. But in the middle period of the race, pre safety car, he genuinely caused Ferrari some quite considerable strategy headaches. He was mm. closing that gap between Leclerc and Sainz. I know Leclerc had damage, but it, it was closing the gap from about five seconds to two and a bit, and a slow pit stop potentially robbed us of a, a three-way battle for the lead, I think. Mm. It cost him a second or two, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Look, we've got a couple more things to, to touch on for, for the race, but look, let's, let's get the other two quiz questions in uh, now. So question number three... Uh, 13 different British drivers have won the British Grand Prix. I want you to name six of them. So 13 different British drivers have won the British Grand Prix. Name six of them. So there's uh, plenty to go through there. Uh, And then um, question number four... This one has come from Mr. Stevie Bain. Uh, I've given it a slight uh, um, tweak and a fiddle, uh, so to speak. Um, Six drivers have had a Formula One pole with the letters C-A-R in their name consecutively. So they've got the word car in their name. How many of them can you name? So there are six in total. How many can you name? name so have you got both of those questions we're good to move on is it first and surname 
Can it be either? Yeah, it could be uh, in either. Yes, yeah. Yeah. If I put Carlos Sainz, Carlos Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, well done so, for giving away one of them. If uh, if Parkin didn't have that one, he has he has now. If he didn't have that one, he shouldn't be on it. Saturday already on Sunday. <laughs> Very good. Uh, look, let's let's dip back to the the race itself. I mean, <laughs> that 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 race after the safety car was just unbelievable. The action was was unreal. Um, but Charles Leclerc did really well on old hard tires with a damaged car to stay in that fight for as long as he did but why 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 Delilah uh, was Leclerc not brought in for a pit stop uh, what what happened uh, Jimbo what what happened to the poor guy uh, Ferrari Benotto <laughs> um, oh, well, I... Mattia doesn't make the strategy calls does he I mean but why? Why? Why did Carlos go in and overrule it when it makes complete sense? Yeah, maybe not. But it's um, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't answer how it was so wrong because you've got at that point of the race they knew Max was in trouble. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Irregardless of the result of Science last race and uh, Canada, Leclerc is still the competitor he is still the championship rival to max and they had an opportunity to gain maximum points and probably faster slap mm. in the race as well so it would have been 26 points that they would have overturned instead they've come away with um 16 uh 13 is it um and max has still come home in seventh three places behind so they've literally gained not a lot it's, it's not not worthy of what they could have had it says I, a lot when, if things had gone differently, he could have ended up one position ahead of a broken Verstappen, which would have been a horrific, horrific mistake on strategy. The the only and there's I don't know if anyone else has seen the image, but there's the image of Bonotto with Leclerc after the race, and it's almost like he's wagging his finger at him, telling him off. And I sometimes think Ferrari would. Um, shoot themselves in the foot purposely to keep almost like a level ground I mean I know Clerk's been quite vocal about the reliability issues and the fact that it has cost him a championship the strategy calls in Monaco so I don't know are they just is it that ridiculous that they're trying to keep him in check but they're also willing to forego championship points to do so well, here's, here's what I don't understand about it is that, I mean, I, I talked a little bit in Discord earlier about, you know, teams that are built around a driver and especially looking forwards. You know, you, you look at McLaren are building themselves around Lando, um, Red Bull build themselves around uh, around Max. Um, you know, teams tend to, to do that. At Ferrari, they have for a long time built themselves around the future with Charles Leclerc and the start of this season Leclerc has been the the one out front and leading forwards and uh, and pushing the the team on and getting the good results and 
um, you know, putting himself in the lead of the championship early on. But somehow, somehow, Leclerc and Science are pretty much together on track, and the team call Science into the pits, but not Leclerc. I mean, part of me thinks that when a safety car comes out like that, the driver in the lead is always in a tricky place because you wonder if he had have dived into the pits, would everyone else have just stayed out to, to get the track still, position? He still would have come out, I think, P3, P4. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, if you look at the situation with Lewis last year at Abu Dhabi, it wasn't like there was just one lap left. There was 10 laps left. And... Mm. Had he have had he have pitted and no one else had, he had the pace to overtake them easily. Yeah. Uh, so I just I genuinely don't. I mean, they they wouldn't have come out any worse than they had finished. So well, no. In hindsight, me, no, kind of, no, absolutely. To me, it's kind of it's a given. Bring him in. So Alex, is this is this just a complete and utter screw up, or is yeah. there something else to it? Yes, Ferrari. Is the answer to that question? As soon as that radio message came across to Carlos, like you need to protect Charles, I'm like, what on earth are they doing or trying to do? The lucky Carlos decides to go for it and overtake his teammate because mm. if he tries to defend an, a car on what 16 lap old hards, there's no absolutely no chance of doing that for 10 laps. It's, no, it's insanity, and they've wasted. Mattel's time at Ferrari, the waste of Alonso's time at Ferrari with weird calls and quite possibly in danger of doing the same with Charles as well. <sighs> Can we just say, though, the way Leclerc drived, oh, drived, drove, that's really yeah. bad. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good, a bit of Norfolk if you ever yeah, wanted Good it. use of England, that is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, his driving on them hard tyres was outstanding the fact yeah. that he was able to battle with Perez with Hamilton and with half of his front wing missing as well tires. yeah as well oh, as yeah. that it was like an M plate or something wasn't it that yeah. he completely lost at the very start mm. but his pace through the entire race was, was incredible um, mm. you know at one point Ferrari had to get them to swap positions because science just, science just wasn't setting the um, the right pace so yeah. I think he, the way he drove was incredible it wasn't over aggressive um, and he did everything he could, and he still held off Alonso and Lando behind him. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just mentioned the word Alonso, uh, Jimbo. I know you had some thoughts about Alonso. The 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 guy's doing sterling work, isn't he? He doesn't age. Does he? He drives like a, an eighteen-year-old who has just stolen his first car. It literally. <laughs> but he does. You watch him off the line every race. He makes up positions. All right, he didn't in Canada, but he was up against Max, one other person in front of him. But he always seems to pull out a rabbit when he needs to. And if you look, like Parkin said earlier, at the end of the race, he was there. He was there. If them three had come together. That was your second place finisher. Mm. If you look at the way he drove back in Hungary when Ocon won, yeah, and he held Hamilton back, he won. Yeah. He won them that race. Yeah. Um, I think his ability is is incredible. I know there's been 
his issues. Anyone that makes friends with Flavio Briatore is going to have problems at some point. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but the way the way he drives is is incredible, and I do think if he was in a Ferrari or a Red Bull, there's no reason he wouldn't be running races. I think undoubtedly, undoubtedly, um, and. Uh... He was he was just there or thereabouts. Whenever there's something to pick up the scraps with, there's Fernando um, oh. getting the the best out of um, what is a you know reasonable package, but um, it's not setting the the world alight, is it? So yeah, well, it's currently the fifth fastest car on the grid. Yeah, if you look at the constructors. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fernando, uh, thank you for coming back and um uh giving us some great entertainment along the way uh guys we've we've only got a few minutes left so let's dive in and get the old quizzle answers um so are you ready for the quiz answers yes good okay so question one at the 1994 british grand prix michael schumacher was black flagged after failing to serve a 10-second stop-go penalty, what did he get the penalty for, Alex? Was this the race where he served some kind of drive-through on the very last lap of the race so he didn't actually serve it? No. Jimbo? Did he pass under a safety car? Close, but no coconut. Uh, He overtook Damon Hill on the formation lap. Um and uh, stay. He did it a couple of times to try and get Hill to go faster on the formation lap. Uh, and um, yes, oh, was given. I didn't realise the Max Verstappen rule was in place back then. <laughs> it was, <it> was given <laughs> a ten-second stop-go penalty. Uh, Benetton tried to uh, argue it, so ignored the penalty, and eventually he got the black flag. Um, so he passed under the safety car in the one that Alex was talking about. Uh, where he served uh, at the end of the race that's where I've got Yeah. yes he did um, and I think that was 1998 off the top of my head uh, I think um, but yeah I wasn't so- a Schumacher fan at the time so when he pulled into the pits on the last lap to take the penalty you can imagine the language that was coming out of my oh, yeah um, me too me too um, but you know the, the, the one in 94 um, they didn't even respect the black flag either they finished the race um oh. and uh he then got a two race ban uh for that so uh still won the championship that year by one point but um yeah that was uh that was Flavio Briatore for you hey <laughs> let's let's not oh, go about that imagine that imagine that imagine that yes it's the honesty himself yeah indeed right let's move on question two uh just three tracks have hosted the british grand prix in the formula one era name all three uh parking give me one front touch correct uh jimbo give me one donington incorrect oh parking back to you grand prix wasn't it yeah, um, Donington was the European Grand Prix. Yep. Um, uh, so, parking back to you. So this one I've got is Silverstone. Yeah, Silverstone. That that too. So, did either of you oh. get the third? It's not. No. Go on, say it. No, it's not. It's not Goodwood, is it? No, no, it's not. Uh, think horses. 
Good word. Aintree. Aintree. Yes. Ah. Aintree. There are still parts yeah, of the. Um, I've heard it. Yeah. There are still parts of the circuit visible uh, uh, around the uh, Aintree racecourse up there. Um, but uh, yeah, Silverstone, Brands Hatch, and Aintree. The only other circuit to have actually hosted a British Grand Prix, but it was not in the Formula One era. It was back in the in the nineteen twenties. Uh, was of course. Any guesses? Brooklands was the other one. Um, but uh, yeah, so your three uh, correct answers were Silverstone, Brands Hatch, and Aintree. Uh, question number three 13 British drivers have won the British Grand Prix. I want you to name six of them. Parking, give me two. Uh, Hill and Hill. Uh, I can only give you one of those, but you need to tell oh. me which first name. <clears throat> Damn it. Graham. No, Graham Hill never won it. Ah. Damon did in 1994. Um, okay, so uh, Jimbo, give me two. Uh, Hunt and Clark. Hunt and Clark, very good. Yep, okay. Uh, Parkin, two more. Uh, Stuart and Coulthard. Stuart and Coulthard, yes, very good. Uh, Jimbo? Mansell? Yes. And Bruce McLaren? No, and he was from New Zealand. Oh. Uh, Parkin. Oh, okay. Uh, so the last two I've got are Hamilton and Button. Button never won it. Did it not? No. Uh, no. no. They've been saying that all over the weekend because Damon Hill was kind of rubbing it in every time <laughs> they went to Jensen Button. I know, Jensen, you've not had as much success as Damon here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jimbo, have you got any more that we haven't named? Uh, Mansell. Yeah, you've already. Yeah, we've already. Oh, I said Mansell. Yeah, 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 that's it then. Okay, so the full list: uh, Sterling Moss, Tony Brooks, Lewis Hamilton. Sorry, Sir Lewis Hamilton, uh, Damon Hill, Jackie Stewart, David Coulthard, Nigel Mansell, James Hunt, Jim Clark, Peter Collins, John Watson. And one other Watson. member of the Sky presenting team. Johnny Herbert. Yes, won it in 1995 after Damon Hill took uh, Michael Schumacher out of the race. So there you go. Moss, Hamilton, Herbert Hill, Stuart, Coulthard, Mansell, Watson, Hunt, Clark, Collins and Brooks. Uh, question four was six drivers have had an F1 poll with the letters C-A-R or car in their name consecutively. How many of them can you name? Jimbo, give me one. I'm going to go with the obvious one from this weekend, Carlos Sainz. Okay, that's one. Um, Parking, give me one. Uh, was Ascaria driver? Yes, Alberto Ascari. Yes, very good. Jimbo, did you have any others? Uh, Carlos Reutemann. Yes, Carlos Reutemann. Very good. So we've got three of the six. Can we get the other three? Parking. Giancarlo Fisichella. Yes, Giancarlo Fisichella. Yep, very good. So we've got two more to go. Jimbo? So the last one I've got is Ricardo Patrese. Yes, Ricardo Patrese. Very good. So, Parking, there's one left. Did you get it? No, I didn't. I, I thought about Patrese, but I thought it was spelt the same as Danny Ricardo. Ah, uh, and, um, and Jimbo, did you have any others? No, no, that was it. Okay, so it is the Mexican... Jose Carlos Pache. 
fair. So there you go. Uh, yeah, so Science, Ascari, Reutemann, Fisichella, Pache, and Patrese. They were your six that have the word car in their name. <sighs> right. Is there anything that we need to touch on before we finish? Because it feels like a hell of a lot happened, and I'm sure we've missed things, but uh, um, we are drawing to the end of our hour. So, uh, Alex, anything for you? Oh, I think that's everything. Okay, what about you, Jimbo? Only that I am so pleased that Nicholas Latifi took the time to listen to our podcast when I was on last time and has stepped his game up massively um, and used my negative comments about him as a motivator. So thank you, Mr. Latifi, and well done. Okay, in which case, before we go then, would you like to uh, just have a short monologue on any other particular driver to see if you can pick their pace up? Yeah, let's talk about Daniel Ricciardo. Okay, go for it, yeah. Is your is your beeping machine working? Um yes, yes. <laughs> no. Um I think it's obvious. He I I don't know if he's gonna be here next season. I, I don't know no. how much longer McLaren will put up with it. Uh he needs to find something. Um obviously we don't know what goes on behind closed doors um within the teams. So I know that a general consensus from fans and and people that I guess don't want to be too hard are that maybe he doesn't have the team's support I don't understand why a team like McLaren would shoot themselves in the foot like that when they offered Lando and Carlos the the kind of support they did Mm. even up until Carlos left Mm. yeah so sort your stuff out Daniel yeah sort your stuff out I'll see you I'll see you in five weeks Good stuff. Well, guys, thank you very much for this evening. Uh, it was great to um, relive yesterday's British Grand Prix. It was an absolute epic. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, then go find somewhere that you can uh, watch it back because it really was an absolute stormer. Um, I guess, parking. we're back next week. Yes, Austrian Grand Prix next weekend. So, yeah. Have we, we got a triple header? Is this a triple header now? That is a good question. I don't actually know. Yes, I think it is because it's coming up to the mid-season break. I yeah, want to say. so I assume it's France just before the mid-season break. Oh, uh, there's a break. It's the so you've got Austrian Grand Prix eighth to the tenth of July, and then a week gap, and then the French Grand Prix. Ah, okay, okay. But we are back next week to uh, chat all things um, Austria, uh, and probably an other subject to squeeze in there as well uh but with that this has been uh only arms the pit lane motorsport podcast thanks ever so much for listening make sure you press that subscribe button in whichever uh, podcast tool you use to listen to our witterings uh alex say goodbye bye and jimbo say goodbye goodbye it's goodbye for me and thank you very much we will see you next week Um, so how much googling did you two do for the um, uh, drivers with car in their name well none if I'm picking Australian drivers Adam come on uh, he's from New Zealand and that was for question or number three not question number four which so four no because it was easy <laughs> Have, uh, uh, I just kept thinking the driver's called Carlos and then I was like oh hold on Danny Ricardo, Ricardo, 
but it can't be spelled like that. <laughs> kind of what Alex said. And I was like, Ricardo Petrate. Ricardo Petrate. And that was why I ended up with three. Uh, uh, six. And the other two, I think if anyone had got the Mexican one, I would have called cheat straight away. Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I didn't actually get from you your 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 total scores for the the quiz. What did you get, Jimbo? Uh, I got two for question two, none on the first one, five on question three, and three on it's ten, ten, ten points. Ten, nice, Alex. Oh, beaten by one. I got nine, two, mm. four, and then three. Jimbo, you are the winner. Well, no, he beat me. No, he got no, nine, you got, you ten. got ten. Oh, I thought he said I got one more than him. No, no one less. Oh, one less. okay. Who's it? 